there was a wasteful farmer that had a field and <clears throat> he had a big farm and he had a field and every time he hired new workers he sent um, someone to test them but he couldn't find anyone to make a, a difficult test he didn't want anyone to steal from him he wanted to find out who was the most trusted so what um, what he did is he found the um, the worst men in the town and hired them all And he let them work in his field and he watched. And he realized when they all worked together, if the farmer was watching, the wasteful farmer, they would, um, some work got done. But as soon as the farmer left, the worst of the men would go and uh, tell them lies and try to hurt them and kill them and try to get them to kill each other. So the farmer decided to figure out um, how to have his farm bigger. So he bought more land and his field was bigger. Or you might say he already owned the land and then he began to plant another field and another and another until it was one very large field. And anytime he got new workers, he made sure that the first day they were there, the enemy was there. And then he sent his children to go and work in the field, to hear the lies. Now the enemy he chose is the one that said, it's not the wasteful farmer's field, it's my field. And you're not his workers, you're my workers. And you're not his children, you're my children. God is the wasteful farm worker. He sends the devil into men's lives every day to test us, to see if we'll be faithful, if we'll be honest, if we'll destroy the field, if we'll uh, murder each other. Anytime we go to work for God, God sends the enemy. Now, if you overcome the enemy a little bit, the enemy will leave temporarily and then come back. And if you overcome him, he comes back. But if you never overcome him, he might watch you and tempt you without end. If you do what the enemy says and you sin, the enemy claims victory against you and goes to someone else. So the quickest way to get the devil out of your life is to become a liar and a murderer, a rapist and adulterer who worships false gods. Then the devil will leave you because you're already doing those things on your own. But if you refuse to rape or murder, the devil will come to you from time to time and try to tempt you. But most of the time when the devil tempts a man, we don't really do it. We're busy. We're looking at our smartphone. We're uh, going to work. We're uh, watching TV or something and the devil might tempt you to murder or something, but you're not going to do it because you're busy doing something else you prefer. So the devil just comes from time to time. But if you ever become very righteous and you become angry at the devil and refuse to do those things and teach others to be peaceful, nonviolent and kind, the devil will come to you without end, day and night. He'll recruit other angels, ghosts, spirits of the dead and others to come torment you. And God will take from you all that you have in order to continue testing you. And at the end, you might think, after God tells you all of this, how might, an end, how might an end come where the tests no longer continue? How might a man put an end to this test? There is a way. You overcome the devil in every way. But for God, that's not good enough. You also need to teach men to do the same thing. You need to suffer greatly to prove that you are uh, worthy to be called righteous. See, if you just rebuke the devil and refuse to do those things, the devil might say, but surely you'll do it if you're poor and then God might make you poor. Surely you'll do it if you suffer and then God might make you poor and suffering. 
God is the wasteful farmer. The, the field is the world. The enemy is the devil. And God's going to allow all of you to destroy the world without end. And then one day, one day God will make it better. And God will say it's great. So, it's not like this on other worlds. They don't have knowledge of God. If on other worlds they just do kind things endlessly, then the devil might say a lie, saying that these people need to be stopped. But he won't be able to recruit because then other angels and ghosts might say, yeah, but all they do is eat pizza and have birthday parties there. They're not like doing anything else. If you have knowledge of God, the devil will come to test you to see if you really believe it. If you really believe it after the devil tests you, the devil will think of another test and another test. So long as the devil lives, life will be endlessly miserable for all men who know about God. But if you don't know about God, the devil doesn't test you much. So in other worlds where they know almost nothing about God, if they don't learn anything more about God, God might not bless them very much, but the devil might not test them very much and he might not tempt them. And that means for other worlds, happiness, where God is and knowledge of God is, there's misery without end. And there has been throughout the whole world. But where people reject God, what do they get? Wealth, a family, and they have time for happy moments. They're not happier, but they have time for happier moments. Who's the happiest? You might say those that love God, and that might be true. But it might also be that you love your children, you love your husband, or if you're a man, you love your wife. It might be that you love others and then you have a lot of moments with pizza, a lot of happy moments. So what you get is the honest truth. With God, you get a lot of misery and a lot of joy. With God, you do get blessings like children and stuff, but he doesn't bless you with money. God takes it away from you to see if you sin so you can be tested. And if you're, um, really evil, God might give you a lot of money. In fact, God might just let his hands off the wheel and let you get money on your own. But if you're poor, he won't allow it. So ideally, the less knowledge of God you have, the better, because you'll have a lot less misery. So what you can do if you want a lot more happiness is you can eat pizza with kids and you'll have happiness every day for the rest of your life. The formula for happiness is something we've looked for in the world for a long time. And now that you've heard this story, you know the formula for happiness is you have some pizza with kids, you have a, once a week or twice, you have some wine with your wife. You have pizza with kids and you have wine with the, the woman you married. And if you want to have a lot of money, you don't have any chance if you have a lot of knowledge of God. But what you can do is have pizza sometimes and hope that God provides enough money for you to have pizza with your kids. And he might. He might do miracles every day. He might. So if you want to really be happy, what you can do is learn to make peace with everyone. And it's hard, but if you can speak a peaceful word every day to uh, your neighbor, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, the man at work. Every day, just a peaceful word to someone. The whole world might be filled with 
knowledge of what is peace. And if there's more peace in the world, the devil can't really do much about it. Only God can change that. And so if you speak a peaceful word, even if someone's mad at you, over time, that person that's your enemy, that's mad at you, your neighbor, not the devil, the devil's always the enemy, but your neighbor might be more peaceful and you might have a lot more happiness. If your wife's mad at you, if you speak peaceful words, even when she's wrong, you might have a lot more happiness. And same thing with your children. So that's harder to learn. But when you have knowledge of God, you have poverty pretty much every time. You have misery pretty much every day of your life. So you can find joy by having pizza with your children, wine with your wife, and by speaking words of peace. The first one you can have every day. The, se the second one, wine, you might have happiness occasionally. And if you speak words of peace, it might take a decade before you start to really notice the difference. Men that don't really involve God in their life, they'll tell you there is a lot of room in their life for happiness or for joy. There is, they have a lot of time and money. But men that don't want God in their life are typically men that hate things God made. They hate God. They hate, They don't like having children. They might hate their children, hate their wife. A woman might hate her husband. And they're, they're miserable for those reasons because they're wrong. But what you can do if you want to be really happy is eat pizza with your kids. If you talk to them about, about God, tell them only very simple things. So if they're tested by the devil, it's an easy test to pass. And speak words of peace. If you have a lot of knowledge of God, the devil might try to destroy you every day. And if he fails, he might try to destroy your wife, your children, and everyone that knows you. And God will give the devil the power to do it. And what you'll do if you're a pastor is you'll watch everyone around you drop dead until you're so miserable you go to the bottom of the bottle again and again every day until you're dead. So what can you do if you have a lot of knowledge of God? Well, the most excellent thing you can do, the most high quality thing you can do is the bare minimum, not the maximum. When you do the bare minimum, what, what is that? It's you speak a peaceful word often, at least every day. And if you know one peaceful thing to say, you can say that one thing every day for the rest of your life. You eat pizza with your children. When you speak God's word at church, you do it exactly in the way that you know, and you don't do any more and you don't do any less. And you expect that everyone you ever knew will drop dead. And you will too, and you might die one day when you're trying to get to the bottom of the bottle. And this is the life that God's prepared for all of his children the last 2,000 years since Jesus left. Now one day it might get better, but that's not today. The agreement God has with the devil is that the devil has free reign over the whole world and over your life and over you. The devil goes to heaven, accuses you before God, and then God takes things out of your life that were important to you. And God never gives them back. So what you do if something's important to you is you choose it, you choose it well, and you cling to it for the rest of your life. And if God takes it from you, you try to get another one if you have to work 12 days a week to do it. 
Because God's not going to give it back to you. God promised he'd give you things in thousands of years from now. Not today, not tomorrow, and not before the end of your life. So if you want something that's really important to you, if you're a God-fearing, Christian, Bible-believing man, you got to work your ass off for it. And one day he might lift you up and make you a prophet or something, but then they might kill you. One day he might lift you up and make you a famous preacher, but then your son might shoot himself in the head with a nine millimeter revolver, revolver at your neighbor's house when he went to stay the night with his best friend. Your daughter might, when she's 14 years old, get pregnant because she sneaks out at night and you can't stop her because you go to bed early because you're a Bible believing man. You taught her to do the same and you didn't know that the invisible enemy was coming to visit her every day and every night for the last 14 years. And your wife might divorce you and marry five other men along the way just to make sure that you're ashamed. The men in church might watch everything that you do and if you ever make one mistake, they might never forgive you even though the Bible tells them to do it. And the reason I'm making this podcast is a, a, a really short and simple reason. No one ever talks about this. We all know that a lot of, a lot of you know that a lot of this is true. God has made an arrangement with the devil and God takes things from men and never repays them. And the only way you can get it back is with very exceedingly hard work. The labor of your hands, working twice as hard as the man next to you for twice as long for half the pay. Now God wants you to return to him. God said to me, not long ago, that all of his children have turned their back on him. Everyone. Every one of God's children has turned their back on him. And he wants them all to turn, return to him. That's what I say. But to turn back to him. It's kind of like if you're having a conversation with someone and then they just start walking away and they never walk back. And you see their back as they leave. One day you'd like to see their face. And so maybe one day you might return to God where God can see your face. you probably know exactly how to do it. And it's probably simple. It's probably like, don't tell lies about God. Don't sin, repent of your sins. And also uh, love your wife or something like that. Or love your husband if you're a woman. And if you do those things, you're doing what God chose for you to return to him. And maybe some of you, you might hope that God would stop the devil. But what will happen is if you return to God, the devil will come with legions to help him. A legion is 10,000. So legions would be... 10,000 plus 10,000 or more. And then the devil might relentlessly accuse you day and night without end. So if the devil can't destroy you, he might destroy everyone you love. If you live long enough, God might restore everything to you. And I've seen this with Abraham because I lived a long time he might restore to you things for instance Abraham lost Sarah and God restored Sarah and other men that Abraham knew lost their wives but when those men sinned they never got their wife back if you are a man that's known as a man of God then God might take something from you or someone and then return it if you don't sin for one or two days but if God took your wife from you and never brought her back, it's probably because you sinned. If you're a woman, if God took your husband from you and never brought him back, it's probably because you sinned and turned your back on God for both of you.
And it could have been him. It could have been your spouse. Remember that even though it was uh, really bad what King David did, King Solomon was son of Jezebel. So God might still give you some sort of a strange blessing even if you do something bad. If you both return to God and don't sin. Life's strange. So if you, if you want to be really happy, one way you can do it is if you lose everything, what you can do is tell everyone in your life, God did it. God took it all. And then maybe before you die, God might restore it all to you just for God's namesake. Just because if you die and never got it returned to you, men might tell the story of, let's pretend your name is um, James or something, or Bob. Let's say there's a man named Bob that was a faithful man of God and was very righteous, more righteous than the men in his neighborhood. And then the devil came to get him and everyone was a Christian and they all knew it. And then Bob lost everything. So if Bob went around for 10 years telling everyone that God took it and everyone knew it and then Bob died, you all might say, what in the fuck is God's problem? Ruining men's lives and never restoring what God takes? So God might just give it all back to Bob just like he gave it to Job for God's namesake. So if you go around telling everyone you lost it all because God took it, God might restore it to you for God's namesake. Otherwise, men might profane God's name in the earth for generations. And pretty soon, men around the world might start to say, I lost a whole bunch of stuff. I, God might have taken it. And then God might actually return to the earth and do something for once. Which he does not do. For 2,000 years, he does not do those things. Now, Bob, when he dies, he might get a blessing. But if Bob goes around saying, I was a faithful man of God, I trusted God, and all I did my whole life was work and pray and have ch children, and I wanted to be married to my wife forever. If Bob lost it all, and Bob says all that and says, God took it all from me, and he never gave it back, God might give it to Bob just so everyone can see it. And then Bob might say, God blessed me again like Job, and now I have double. So you got to talk about it or God's probably never going to give it back to you because God will never be ashamed enough about taking it from you if you want it in this lifetime. Some of you might say, well, I want it in the next lifetime. Well, that's what you get probably. Maybe you get it in the next lifetime. But for me, that's not good enough. And here's why. For 6,138 years, I've been alive. I've been an angel. I've seen men in the earth and I've seen men live thousands of years. They lived in the earth. They died after a short life like Abraham. They waited in heaven thousands of years and they got some blessings, but they never got what God promised. And the devil's still destroying men's lives, so I'm angry today. Because one day you might meet an angel, and the angel might have seen the same thing, and he might say it's true. But if you serve the devil, you might have a little pleasure right now, and I might say that's the wrong answer too. See, I'm answering everyone. The devil might come along and promise to make your life better, but here's what you can do. You can shame God for taking things from you, and God might give it back to you just for his namesake. He might punish you later for shaming him, but I'd rather have a happy life today and then maybe I can figure out how to have a happy life then instead of waiting for nothing, which is what God gives a lot of us. So is life better without God? The answer is it's a lot better when God doesn't bring the devil into your life in order to test you and to tempt you. It's a lot better. And if men rarely speak of God, but you speak well of him, God might not bring the devil that often. But if you speak well of God every time you speak, and if you do it often, the devil might 
destroy everyone in your life. Your 15-year-old son might stick a bullet in his head. Your daughter might be pregnant when she's 14. And she might not know who the father is because she fucks so many men. Your wife might fuck so many men. You don't even know who she's married to anymore. And the whole church, if you're a pastor, might have forsaken you. You might have lost all your friends. And now your only friend is the bottle. And you cry when you get to the bottom of the bottle. Because you're too drunk to drive to the store to get more. Because it wasn't enough to get rid of the pain of being alive. That's the reality of living. And angels will tell you the same thing if they've seen it. So what's our best option? Shame God when God takes it away might be an excellent option. Tell men, God took it all. And then if God gives it to you, say, God provided it. He took it and then gave it back. Or he gave me double. And then maybe that'll be the way that all of us live forever and ever. God taking things and giving them to enemies like the devil. Maybe when the devil's gone, maybe there'll be 10 men just as bad. So I've adopted the policy after 6,138 years of shaming God. And if God provides it, I'll say, God provided it so we can get hit praise. And maybe God will bless you if you do the same.